30. And looking ahead to Wednesday, partly sunny with a high near 48. Okay. And we have this public service announcement. Sullivan County Public Health Services has a page on the county website about COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Public Health Director Nancy McGraw says residents need facts instead of fear. The page has information about what county, state, and federal authorities are doing, symptoms and steps people can take. The website is sullivanny.us slash departments slash public health slash coronavirus. Let me read that again. sullivanny.us slash departments slash public health slash coronavirus. Again, that's Sullivan County's coronavirus information page in the public health section at sullivanny.us. And now, making waves. Good evening and welcome to WJFF's Making Waves. Making Waves is an hour-long radio magazine that airs on WJFF every Monday evening at this time. Kevin Greff is executive producer and audio engineer for Making Waves. Theme music for Making Waves is composed and performed by Cindy Rickmond. My name is Barbara and I'm your host for tonight. We'll start with the Kingfisher Project, our weekly examination about the opioid crisis an epidemic that on average kills 185 people a day in the United States by way of overdoses and the other effects of addiction. Tonight, we hear all about a short film called Hope Served Fresh. It's a documentary about businesses, and one in particular, not far from here in Oneonta, New York, that are pitching in by hiring people on purpose who are in recovery from addiction. We'll hear about we'll hear from the filmmaker Jessica Vecchione and from Julie Dostal, who runs a nonprofit dedicated to helping people find and maintain recovery. Just after Kingfisher, we'll hear about a program called Resilient Regional Economies, hosted by the organization called Seeds in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. The March 21st event is all about the farm-to-table movement and local economies, and a and a very special speaker will be featured during that program. So we'll, be, we'll talk to the organizers from that event from Seeds a little later in the hour. And now, the Kingfisher Project. Here's Julie Pizal, who is the founder of the Kingfisher Project, to tell us more about it. Welcome to the Kingfisher Project, an information radio project based here at WJFF. The project was established in 2014 in memory of my daughter, Rebecca Pazal, who was shot and killed due to her addiction. The project is named for an injured Kingfisher bird Rebecca rescued and wrote about while a senior in high school. At her memorial service, her former teacher, Mr. Ogazalik, read the essay, and since then a number of people 
in Jeffersonville at WJFF wanted to do something to draw attention to the opiate crisis here and across the country. Thanks very much, Julie. You're welcome. And now, as we were saying tonight, um, it's a pretty special edition because this is a topic that has been uh, on our minds very much here at the Kingfisher Project, the idea of jobs for people who are in recovery, not always easy to come by. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, Jessica Vecchione, who's, who's actually been on the program before with her first film, which was called Smacked, about heroin in rural uh, locations in New York State and around the nation, Jessica had joined us before, and here she is with another documentary on one of her films about uh, employment. It's called Recovery-Friendly Employment, and this is actually taking place in Oneonta, New York, really, I'm going to say, a leader in the nation in this movement. And we're going to hear, uh, actually, we were speaking with Jessica and Julie Dostal, who runs the program called LEAF, up there in a... in Delaware County, the Oneonta area, and we're going to hear from them all about the recovery-friendly employment program as well as the film. So uh, let's go to that right now. I do want to mention before we get into it that this is a film that's been nominated, Julie, by the uh, to the Albany Film Festival. Albany mm-hmm. Film Festival is one of the selections. It's one of the selections, and uh, that's going to happen later this month. They might. You know, they're up for an award. So that's a, a proud moment as well to uh, to know. And please stay tuned for the whole interview because just after we speak with Jessica and Julie, we're going to hear some of the voices from the actual film and we'll tell you where you can look at it. So uh, let's hear from Jessica and Julie and uh, we'll take it away. Well, I want to welcome to the airwaves tonight Jessica Vecchione and Julie Dostal. They are from Oneonta, the Oneonta area, and uh, I'm just going to leap in there and ask Jessica, starting with Jessica, and then Julie, please introduce yourselves and what you do. Uh, Well, I'm a a local uh, filmmaker based in Delaware County, and I work mainly with nonprofits. And um, I got interested in the opioid epidemic about five years ago, and produced a film on the epidemic, which was released in 2018. And from that experience, I met wonderful people like Julie Dostal, who's also on the line with us, and have continued to do work regarding the opioid epidemic on film. So that's my connection here. Before we go over to Julie, do you have a personal connection to the epidemic yourself? Well, in, my nephew um, had, he overdosed at, God, over five years now, and I didn't really understand the situation hardly at all and was infuriated with him and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I quickly learned that I knew nothing about the epidemic and that there were so many obstacles to him getting any kind of care and, 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 and just It was unbelievable what I learned, so I made the first movie, Smacked, because I thought there's got to be lots of people just like me who are misunderstanding what's going on here, and um, that's how, that was my connection and how I got started on being interested in in the subject. And was that a fatal overdose? No. He's, and he's doing okay right now. Okay, that's, because back then, five years ago or so, a lot of the overdoses, a lot more of them were fatal. So, uh, well, I'm sorry that it happened, but I'm glad to hear that it wasn't fatal. And he's doing well? 
He's doing okay. He's doing okay. Okay, yes. good to hear that too. I knock on wood always, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, so Julie, I know that uh, you yeah. are you are involved with the um, Leaf, which I I didn't know about it, um, but now I know that it's a leather stocking education on alcoholism addiction foundation, and you're located in Oneonta. You're the executive director, is that right? That's right, I sure am. And uh, LEAF, as you can tell, we go by LEAF because Leather Sucking Education or Alcoholism and Addiction Foundation is a mouthful for yes. anybody. <laughs> uh, so uh, we were actually founded back in the 80s, and we started out as an education uh, organization, and now we do education information and referral. We are considered the prevention agency for Otsego County. And so we do things like we go into the schools and we work with grades K through 8 and do uh, curriculum with them. And uh, we work in the community and we have large venue alcohol-free events. Uh, we work on policy. We work with our lawmakers and uh, are really a public health organization on the prevention side. We don't do any clinical work. And so my work with Jessica, which, by the way, is awesome. We have a great time together. Uh, my, my work with her both on Smacked and on, with Hope Serves Fresh is that uh, the awareness piece and trying to get the community aware and begin a conversation in a non-stigmatized way about the disease of addiction. That's great. Uh, I didn't know. I ha- was not aware that you had worked on the first one as well. That's that's a wonderful connection. Um, yes. I know you have your own personal story. Can I ask you to tell that? Oh, sure. Um, I'm a woman in long-term recovery. I've been in recovery for 27 years. And although I never planned to go into the field of addiction, I don't think that any of us ever end up here by accident. And so it has really become a life mission of mine as a prevention specialist to work very hard to keep as many people as possible from ever having to go through what I went through in my active addiction in my teens and in my 20s. How, how did you uh, escape your addiction? Well, you know, it's interesting. You hear people oftentimes say, you've got to hit bottom and uh, or rock bottom, and bottom is really different for everyone. And what happened with me is I was in graduate school. I was doing well. I had a 4.0 at the time. I was working two jobs, and I was actually studying to be a therapist and drinking my head off in the process. I come from a family that struggles with addiction. I probably was genetically vulnerable to addiction, and alcohol and marijuana and some other drugs just got the best of me while I was studying. And one morning, after having really gotten severely intoxicated, I woke up, or should I say I came to, and realized that I was being quite the hypocrite, that I was studying, I was spending money and studying to help people while I was killing myself with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And this, this, like, uh, most of us who are in recovery will call this that moment of grace. Mm. And in that moment of grace, I remembered one friend of mine who said that she was in recovery 
And I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, I need to go to a meeting tonight. And without judgment, she came and picked me up, took me to a meeting, and I picked up my white chip, which is the surrender chip with a 12-step group. And uh, I have been really fortunate that that was my last drink. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's some story. And congratulations on your 27 years. Thank you. Wow. I, I feel like a blessed woman. Indeed, I do. Okay. Well, the uh, now that we come to the, the film itself, uh, which is a, a real, it's, it's a pretty moving film, to tell you the truth, I... I the, the people who are featured in it, the guys who are in recovery, Jen, who owns the pizzeria. I mean, they're really amazing people doing something that probably doesn't happen enough in our world. But can you, uh, can you tell us how it came about, Jessica? Yeah, well, um, because I had developed, you know, this relationship with everybody who uh, worked with me on the Smack movie, Julie, people in recovery, um, people from other, you know, friends of recovery, I sort of got in their, in their circle, and now I'm in the in crowd. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I heard about the uh, recovery-friendly employment program that they had been working on for, uh, for a while. And uh, Julie told me the story of Jen and how she you know, pretty much was the catalyst for it. And uh, I just kept saying, Julie, we, we got to do this. we got to make <laughs> I mean, it's just too good a yeah. story and mm. too inspiring, you know, so inspiring. So um, uh, Fordu and Leith managed to get a little bit of funding together, so we were, were able to co-produce the 15-minute film. And um, I'm really happy that we were able to do that because it has become – you know, something that Cuomo is behind, and I think in no small part to the work that, that, that they're all doing on this. And, and by the way, you know, for me, stepping into it, I mean, they had already done four workshops when I got into the picture, you know, with business owners. I mean, I, I can't say how, how much these people, people like Julie and, and, you know, people like Jen have done for our communities by helping people in recovery. I mean, they, they're quietly doing this work. And, you know, when I see it, I'm like, no, this has to be screamed to the public. And it does, you know. Mm. But they just do this work and they do it and you don't even know it. And, you know, it's just helping people out all the time. And that, that to me, is a very inspiring part of the whole story as well. So that's, a, that's revealing unto itself what you just said, um, the, the workshops and and the program itself that uh, Julie that came about through Leaf. Actually, it came about um, because we had tried to work with the city of Oneonta to make Oneonta one of the very first uh, formal recovery friendly communities. We wanted that we were, we were working with the city council to see if there was any way that we could develop some kind of proclamation that said that Oneonta is a recovery friendly community and that we were walking past stigma and we no longer stigmatized people who were in recovery and offered them opportunities and this was the kind of community that we are. And, uh, unfortunately in the community there were people who heard that 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 phrase recovery friendly community they heard it as addiction friendly mm. 
And so what happened is that that uh, proclamation never happened mm. because the community thought that we were talking about opening the floodgates and bringing in every person who was active in their addiction and inviting them into our community to use our resources and, and to, you know, the, it got very it got heard very differently by some of our community members, and they called their lawmakers, and the the proclamation never happened. And so we just decided, you know what, we're going to keep on doing this work, even if we can't get it taken care of at a policy level. We are just going to keep on working with businesses and community members and parents and families. And out of that, Jennifer gave me a call one day, and she said, Julie, you know, with this whole recovery-friendly thing, she goes, what if I were to have a recovery-friendly business? Could we do that? And that is really how it started. So what might have been like uh, the death of a dream really became the start of a new vision. And it's a really cool story how it happened. It's like you just can never give up when you have a hope. And Did Jennifer you- took took off with that 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 is an amazing story i know that that's yeah. mentioned that's mentioned in the film a little bit but i didn't know all yeah. that background which is somewhat heartbreaking of a background uh yeah did you know jen before she made that call i have actually known jen for years and years and years my first job when i moved to oneonta i'm originally from atlanta and and my first job when i moved to oneonta back in the 90s was at hartwick college and Jennifer was a student at Hartwick College, and she and I have bumped into each other over the last few decades in different iterations of our careers, and I had no idea, when she, literally, when she called me and she told me who she was, she had a different last name than the last name I had known her by because she's married, and I didn't know who she was until I heard something in her voice, and I was like, wait a minute. And so, yeah, we've known each other a long time, and I've always had a great deal of respect for who she is as a person. And uh, and she, you know, once again, she showed up, and she showed up in a big way with her business and wanting to really help people get on their feet with a good job in a a supportive environment. So, so Jen and her pizzeria, which is the the main feature in the film, is called Sal's Pizzeria right. in Oneonta. Right. I think it's on Main right. Street, if I have that right. Uh, right. That she's the groundbreaker. There was no other known recovery friendly employment place. No, really. Okay. No. Well, that's she amazing. She is the groundbreaker. She is the groundbreaker, and and by being that groundbreaker, and by uh, you know us talking about it at workshop with employers, and then. And then Jessica getting on board and saying, "We really need to put this. We need to. We need to memorialize this on a film." And then by the film going out and more workshops, it got the attention of Albany, and Albany decided that it was a good idea to incentivize businesses to hire people who are in recovery. And then and now we have a two thousand dollar tax credit that's in the law. So well, that is amazing. Idiot. Too. It's amazing. Yeah, not amazing. only is it amazing, I didn't really connect that myself. That that your program there, really, Jen and and the pizzeria, were the impetus behind the the state law. Yeah, they called me up. A member of of the the people who were writing 
this law, called me up and said, Julie, tell me about what you guys are doing with recovery-friendly employment. I said, oh, can I please? And uh, so I told them, and a few days later, it was announced that the governor was implementing a tax credit. And so even though they didn't announce that because the the recovery organizations in Oneonta, New York, did this thing, I, I, I happen to know the background of how it got up to Albany. So it was cool. That is, We're uh, happy about it. That is amazing. And yes. I, I want to ask you, do you um, is recovery-friendly, the recovery-friendly community idea, is that an actual, does that exist as some kind of a program elsewhere, or is that something that you were trying to get off the ground there? Well, believe it or not, I heard about it from a friendship that I had developed in, of all places, on Twitter, (laughs) that there was someone who was working in the recovery community in New Mexico, and they had declared their community as a recovery-friendly community. And, And I was like, you know what, that is such an awesome idea, because one of the things that LEAF is about is stigma reduction, and we work with our partners at Friends of Recovery of Delaware Otsego, and we work on stigma reduction all the time. And what better way would it be if the community said, guess what, we are this kind of community. We don't stigmatize people who have decided to get better. And uh, so that is really, it's a strange little story, but it, it intertwined from some interactions on Twitter. I found out about New Mexico and so then and kind of tossed the idea out to some people in the area and got some support and that's how it started well, and now that you have recovery friendly employment that's that is a that is a institutionalized program in Oneonta now yes. i understand yes. do you now have recovery friendly community that has not happened yet. Okay. We still have hope. We still have hope. What are and the, let me just say, go ahead. Let me just say, I tend to be just kind of the one who talks about recovery-friendly employment a lot. I, 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 I love doing public speaking, and I talk about it every chance I get. The, the real workhorses who have now taken on the work, who work with the recovery coaches and the people who are looking for employment, that, that, that organization is Friends of Recovery of Delaware and Otsego, and I hope that your listeners will have the opportunity to hear from them in the not-too-distant future about the work that they're doing with individuals and working with individual companies that are coming on, and there's more companies coming on, you know, uh, over time that know that this is a workforce that they need in a time of workforce shortage. So tell me about uh, the tax credit first. That's $2,000. Okay, sure. okay, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so the $2,000 tax credit is from um, OASAS, which is the Office of Alcoholism and Substance Abuse Services. That tax credit is per employee. So if you are a recovery-friendly employer, and you fill out this very short form. I mean, as far as state forms goes, this is a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. They, they fill out a very short form that says that they are working with a local addiction organization, whether it's Friends of Recovery or with our treatment center, and that they uh, are willing to employ people who are in recovery 
when they fill out that form and that's accepted by the state, then every person that they hire in recovery, they get a $2,000 tax credit for. So it multiplies. And do they have to employ the, these folks for a whole year, or is there a, a rule about um, that? I think it's six months. Okay. All I right. think and it's six months. If it was a nonprofit, then it wouldn't be that helpful. Is that correct? No, no, no. Nonprofits don't pay taxes anyway. This right, would really right. be this would really be for corporations, corporate organizations. I mean, corporate businesses that are for profit or or commercial operations like the pizza place. That's right. Does she? Does Jen get Absolutely. these? Do you know? Uh, I don't know if she's applied. Hmm. Okay. She hasn't shared that with us. No. <laughs> we'll have to find out. Oh, uh, and for yes. for the for the listeners, we do plan. Jen was not able to be with us for this uh, for this episode, but we do have a plan to have Jen and maybe some of her uh, pizzeria workers on uh, later this spring, uh, because of course they're over there making pizza right now, so um, probably delivering a few as well. So That's right. <laughs> So uh, let me uh, let me ask you then um, the next logical question might be what about the recovery friendly community which you're working towards what are the elements of that? Um, well, you know what that's really on the back burner right now. Uh, we got so you know going so strong with the recovery friendly employment that we we thought what we might do is let this grow and let this percolate. So that when we're able to readdress the recovery-friendly community, that there would be strong voices in the community that says, "Yes, this is something that we need to do." Got it. Right. So that we would have that we would have advocates who are who are now our allies because they understand what it means to be in recovery. Uh, that 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 we would then have a constituency of people who say. Yes, we do need to be a recovery-friendly community. And maybe they're not as afraid because some, I think it's right. a lot of fear. Uh, yes, yeah, I agree. Fear comes in. So, yes, so that's that's good to hear. And and um, when was that phone call that Jen made to you that said she wanted to start something like this at the pizza shop? Oh my goodness, Jessica, was it what two years ago, two and a half years ago? I would say two and a half. Or more. Yeah, probably two and a half years ago. Because in that space of time, now there's 13, is that right, or more? It must be more. Uh, the last number I heard was 13, but that my, my information is old. I, I would <laughs> guess that it has to be more by now because it was growing every time I heard the number. All right. Well, let's, and let's go back to the film for a second. Uh, Jessica, could you tell us, just for the listeners' sake, uh, you were you mentioned the length of the film and what what's um for, sort of featured in it? Well, it's a fifteen minute film and it's just uh, basically you know it's a, do- a documentary just sort of a, a straight ahead documentary with uh, the people involved talking about what they did and and the effects of it and then uh, some of the employees from uh, South also talk about how it's affected them to have this kind of support in the community. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, not, not splashy, but it, it's uh, informative, I would say. Did you, have a, uh, did you have a tough sell job to get those guys from the pizzeria to, no. to speak? Okay, they wanted to do not it. Not at all. You know, my, my observation with people who are in recovery, who want, who want to be in, in In fact, I was in the, our county jail just the other day, 
um, because I'm doing a piece that includes some of the efforts that our county, Delaware, has been involved in to, uh, bringing a recovery coach into the jail. Well, we, ha- we had no problem getting people, the people that the recovery coach, the inmates that he was talking to, they were thrilled to be on camera. I mean, we didn't talk. It wasn't that kind of a thing. It was just, you know, sh- uh, shots of, of them receiving services. But, you know, I thought, like, oh, maybe they want... They're, People who are in recovery, who are contemplating recovery, they're happy to talk about it because that helps their recovery. And they know that being silent by, uh, you know, pretending that there's something wrong with this is not the way to go. So that's really been my experience in working with people in recovery, that they're, they're more than happy to, to talk to you about what happened to them. Just like if I survived a, a, if I survived a heart attack yesterday and my i'd be talking about it non-stop with my friends you know so you know it's and it's perfectly normal so you know that's that's something that's bringing you know community engagement over the top is is the fact that people in recovery do uh, do understand this well that's that's fantastic and it's, it's great to hear that uh that understanding is out there among the people in the recovery community uh you know i i realize now that we we've uh We're coming toward the end of the program, and we do want to, uh, we're going to end the program with a little bit from the film itself. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank both of you. And really, we do want to check back in with you and and keep tabs on this, because as we were saying when we were off the air, uh, right before you joined us, Julie, uh, Jessica and I were saying the housing, transportation, and employment. Those are are the, it's the magic three, right? Um, Those are the big. Yeah, it's the, those are the challenges we face, and this yeah. is a, a great story of that challenge being met up in Oneonta. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for all your great work on your show. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. We'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we will right now hear a little bit from the film itself, Hope Served Fresh, Recovery-Friendly Employment in Oneonta, New York. And uh, let me give you a preview of who we're going to hear from. Uh, First of all, this film just features everybody in that community, from the Chamber of Commerce to the mayor to the police chief. The voices we are going to hear um, are first Deborah Berrios from Friends of Recovery of Delaware and Otsego, then we're going to go over to Andrew, who is a fellow in recovery. He's the pizza maker at Sal's Pizzeria. And then we will hear from Jen Grigoli, who's really the, the center of this whole story. And she's the owner of Sal's Pizza. And she's the one that made that fateful phone call to get this recovery-friendly employment program going at her pizza shop. Started a whole snowball effect. So let's hear from that right now. do for this person. So we had people in early recovery, middle recovery, long-term recovery looking for employment. And they were people that were very honest and wanting a better life. It was a mutual agreement that we would provide somebody that is willing to work very hard, that had safe practices, and was also in recovery. So it became a win-win. What is it, half rum? You have people around you that that care about you and love you. That makes it easier. 14 months right now, clean and sober, so pretty proud of that. Every day is a journey. 
you know, just staying busy, keeping out of your own head and, and keeping a nice balance. You know, I like to go to the gym and, and work. I work, you know, close to 40 hours a week. I worked there before when I was using. I would use at work and I was still able to be efficient at my job. And Jen, she kind of took over towards the beginning of my recovery. And I knew I had her support in terms of, you know, being comfortable at work and and knowing that she's aware of my situation. And you now I have somebody that believes that I'm gonna really turn things around and get back to life. And just knowing that I have somebody there that, that I work for, uh, it puts a lot of strength in me. Next thing you know, my phone is, is lighting up with people who would like to come and work for me. And I'm happy to say that I have a clean and sober workplace. We had a meeting and I said, for all of you that are here, I will now be an owner and this will be a clean and sober workplace. I have college students that work for me. They're trying to you know, pay for their books and what have you. It doesn't mean that you can't go out with your friends and have some drinks. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but I'm here to tell you that when you work within my four walls, you must be clean and sober. The other part of that is that I'm opening up my doors to anybody who's on the road to recovery to work in an environment that's clean and sober and safe for them. It doesn't mean that I'm responsible for their recovery, but I'm willing to give them a place to work. And those were the voices, once again, of uh, Friends of Recovery, Deborah Barrios, Andrew, the pizza maker, and Jen Gregoli, who is the owner of Sal's Pizza, from the film Hope Served Fresh. You can find that film on Vimeo. You can just type in Hope Served Fresh, and when you see the pizza delivery guy right up front and center, that's your film. You can also go to the Kingfisher Facebook page, and we have posted a link to the film there. And... Uh, that concludes the main part of the Kingfisher Project for tonight, but here's Julie Pizal with the Kingfisher Calendar. And on March 14th, from 9 to 5, at the Community Hub, 22 St. John Street in Monticello, they're going to have a Youth Mental Health First Aid course. The Youth Mental Health First Aid course teaches you how to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental illness and substance abuse disorders. It's an eight-hour training program which gives adults who work with youth the skills they need to reach out and provide initial support to adolescents aged 12 to 18 who may be developing a mental health or substance use problem and help them connect to the appropriate care. It covers anxiety, depression, eating disorders, attention def deficit hyperactivity disorder, common signs and symptoms of substance abuse, how to interact with an adolescent in crisis, how to connect with the adolescent with help, and how to support those at risk for suicide. And who should take it? Teachers, school staff, coaches, camp counselors, youth group leaders, parents, and people who work with youth. Uh, registration is required, and you can call 1-855-321-276. And that's the Youth Mental Health First Aid Course, which again is March 14th which is this Saturday, from 9 to 5 at the Community Hub, 22 St. John Street in Monticello. And I'll tell you the number once again. It's 1-855-321-276. And thank you for listening to the Kingfisher Project. Thank you, Julie. And coming up next on Making Waves, we are going to hear from Seeds, the... Sustainable Energy and Education Development Support Group in 
Northeast Pennsylvania, based in Honesdale, uh, about their upcoming event, which is called Resilient Regional Economies. Now, the guest for that event is going to be author Judy Wicks, but um, speaking with us tonight are the organizers of the event from Seeds, and that's going to be Olga and Andrew. They'll be coming, uh, they'll be joining us over the phone line. But just a little background about that event that is coming up on March 21st. It's going to be at the Cooperage, 1030 Main Street in Homesdale, Pennsylvania. There is an admission charge, and a small admission charge, I'll say. And uh, right now, uh, we welcome Olga and Andrew to the airwaves. Good evening. Hi, Olga, Andrew. Yes. Hi. 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 So I understand that you two are have organized or are part of the organizing committee for this event. Is that correct? Yes, we are. That's right. Okay. And you're you're part of Seeds. Yep. Um, I'm the executive director, and Andrew is our energy circle leader. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm not sure we've spoken before, so welcome. And Olga, you must be pretty new in that role. So uh, that's that's a fantastic. Uh, thing that proceeds that you're with them now. So why don't you tell us, maybe Olga, you can give us the overview of this event that's coming up. Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's Resilient Regional Economies, right, Andrew? That's the name? Correct. And it's an event led by Judy Wicks, who is sort of a founder of the Farm to Table movement in Philadelphia, which is um, something that is an asset if we bring it into our community. So this event is sort of like a workshop for people who um, are interested in the farm-to-table movement, like farmers or chefs, maybe even entrepreneurs. And um, she's going to talk about some strategies on how to get that urban-rural cooperation. All right, that sounds great. Um, and Andrew, maybe you'd like to add to that a little bit um, in terms of what the farm to table means and really what the local economy movement is. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that everyone is aware of it, uh, about or realigning the balance between how we interact with our economy. And it's clear that many people are interested in facilitating a more local economy that they can more directly influence and reap the benefits of. And Judy started doing this, along with a a lot of other people around the nation, um, back in the 80s. And uh, her efforts to connect local farmers and restaurateurs and understanding the supply chain, mapping it out, and then sharing those techniques within her community and around Philadelphia, uh, you know, laid out a blueprint and um, symbolically how we want to uh, better interact with the people in our community and reap the benefits of of the business community. So I believe that since the 80s and how our economy has been going, it's been going much more towards centralized corporate-style companies that um, disaggregates our relationship with what it means to actually operate a business 
with to consume the product that those businesses uh, give us and what we pay for, where does our money go? Uh, so the regional economies and resilient regional economies is really an effort to realign our dollars with our communities and understand how that benefits the products that we buy and our and our lives overall. Well, that's um, that is a really a, a topic quite uh, relevant at this moment in time. I know, and you sound pretty passionate about it. Is this is Judy somebody that's known to you personally? Have you been following her? Yes. So, I was introduced to Judy through a mutual friend, and once we started talking, it was clear that we had a a lot in common, <laughs> and I had just uh, joined Seeds as the Energy Circle leader, and during our conversations. Uh, you know, it was clear that it would be amazing if she could come up to Wayne County and, and impart some of what she's doing and, and, and her really deep well of knowledge into our community because, um, you know, it's, it's not only a good thing for seeds, but it's also a great thing for people to come together and talk about this, this subject because it's not often that we can get the right people in the room together and actually engage with this topic and then, you know, really make changes moving forward. Yeah, and what when you say that uh, you have a lot in common, are you yourself an entrepreneur in this movement? I am an entrepreneur, but not in the, in the farm-to-table space. I am within the re- renewable energy space. Um, and renewable energy and distributed renewable energy is inherently at its core uh, a distributed and resilient way of generating power. And, you know, if you purchase a solar system today, you're putting that money up front for energy 20-plus years in the future. And mm-hmm. no one can take that away from you. And that's, so, it, that's your realm, the, uh, the solar energy? So I have worked in the solar industry for five years in New York City, and I just, over over last summer, moved to northeastern Pennsylvania to start my business, which is, uh, yeah, it's in, I manage solar energy and electric vehicle charging projects for residences and businesses. So okay, that's my, the core. The core of that business is really to try to provide people with energy that no one can take away from them. Okay, that's great. And you're the Energy Circle leader at Seeds, so that all fits in. How long have you been doing that as the Energy Circle leader? Uh, so I started in August. Okay, that's great. So, you know, one of the words that uh, in this title, it's like I would say the main word in the title, is the, is the idea of resilience. And this, is, this event is called Resilient Regional Economies. What would you say that means in this context? Um, I guess I'll take that. Uh, what that means to me and as well as the, the conversations that I've had with Judy and others is resilience implies ad- adversity. And so in the face of adversity, how can we carry on forward? And there being a distributed network 
of local economies that depend on a a, a smaller supply, supply chain that is literally closer, that is of a closer proximity, then the supply chain is less likely to be disrupted. Well, if it is disrupted, it is less likely to have a larger impact on the economy overall. So this this may be one angle of it, but the, the most important thing is to simplify and make supply chains closer to one another, allowing for them to continue on in the face of an economic uh, in case of economic trouble, environmental trouble, social trouble, whatever happens, we want to make sure that at the end of the day we can come together and have the basic needs, services, food, water, and, and social needs uh, and and that's really the core of the resilient idea. Well, yeah, that is a that is an idea that we often we we hear that phrase a lot when there is a lot of adversity. Like I think of the flooding that's gone on in our region, and there's always that idea of resiliency and being able to bounce back. So that's a that's always um kind of an engaging idea. Uh, and Olga, maybe I could ask you to talk about the format of the event. I noticed that it's a two-hour event. It, that once again, it's on Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to noon, and it's at the Cooperage. Uh, there is a, an admission fee, uh, and people can you know, go on to the SEEDS website to find out about all those details. But what, what, will this, what will the shape of the event be? Will we first hear from Judy? Yes, so uh, I will be uh, opening the event, introducing myself to some of the people that haven't met me yet, and um, then Andrew is going to say a few words, and then it's going to be Judy just uh, giving her experiences and strategies, sharing it with the people that are coming there. And actually, Andrew, since Andrew is the one that is uh, familiar with Judy, he he and Jack completely organized the event themselves, so he knows more about the way it's formatted, and I'm going to give him a chance to talk about that. Okay. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> uh, so we'll also have some refreshments uh, starting at 10, and so people can come in, socialize, you know, get some breakfast snacks, uh, then the event will start, uh, and then Olga, myself, and then Judy will go on. And Judy is has a wide array of things to talk about, but uh, one particular thing is her latest project, Altogether Now PA, uh, which is a nonprofit focused on connecting various regional organizations across Pennsylvania. That's um, and I think that's one of the, the challenges of making good progress on a state level and then on a national level is coordination between all of these fantastic organizations who are doing great work locally but don't necessarily have the the patchwork to actually come together and make change holistically on a state level and so forth. So she, she'll be talking about all together now PA um, and then probably give some history of, of how she actually was able to go forward and, and develop a local economy framework. And she, um, is she and based? Be a, pardon me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, is she based in Philadelphia now? 
Yes. So okay. she's uh, she's based in Philadelphia, and I should say that she the farm to table restaurant that she's known for is called White Dog Cafe. Right. Right. Uh, and that's you know a lot of people are familiar with that. Um, she no longer owns it, but uh, she's she's still involved. It's still going strong, I guess. <laughs> I should say that after she's done, there will be a Q&A session and, and a discussion for everyone in the audience, as well as with Judy and with with uh, the staff at Seeds, Great. so that we can really start to dig into that a little bit more. And I think that it, it's important that we want this to be an open, and not a lecture. Right, we want right. people to be able to engage with this and people who are, you know, actually dealing with these problems can then, you know, benefit from it in a more meaningful way. Well, that's, it does sound like a, a great morning of events there. I'm, I'm really interested to hear about the All Together Now project itself. It sounds yeah. like an idea that is needed in, in the world today. Uh, but one of the things that I just wanted to mention um, as well is uh, I think this is a, a kind of a uh, – a textbook example of uh, the re- resilient regional economies are is the many sponsors that you've uh, put together for this event. And I'm just going to name a few because we're not here for an advertisement. But the Settlers Inn, I'm sure they do some farm to table. Uh, you know, there's the Chambers of Commerce, the Development Corporation, the Visitor Bureau, um, Farm Arts Collective, which is a really interesting, yep. you know, coming together of different ideas around the arts and farming, the Here and Now Brewing Company, Wolf Springs Farm, so and just many others. Uh, that's To me, that's just um, kind of a beautiful thing right there to see that list of, of sponsors for this event, which is about the regional economy and how people work together to bring these things, um, these events to Absolutely. the public. Yeah, so that's... Very nice, and congratulations on that. Uh, and, you know, I want to just wrap up by giving Olga a chance to introduce herself because I know she is new in this role. And, Olga, can you just give us a two-minute introduction of you? Sure. <clears throat> so I um, uh, I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn, and um, as being an immigrant and a daughter of immigrants, uh, we really you know, going to school and choosing a profession based on your passion was kind of um, just not something realistic. So I ended up doing uh, public accounting because I was very good with numbers and I like, you know, rational thinking. But as soon as I was finished with college, I realized that, you know, I, I was still being pulled towards sustainability and environmental matters and renewable energy. So I ended up going to working for the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission as an auditor, which allowed me to just really become immersed in um, utility rate making and just how interstate uh, commerce works in, um, in, in energy and gas and oil. And uh, then after I had my two kids, we decided to move to uh, Pennsylvania. My parents had a house here, and we just wanted to raise them in a nice, quiet place. And I just fell in love with this community. I mean, just wonderful people, just so proactive, so many great things happening, and so many great natural resources that, you know, are there for people to, to take advantage of. And when I had this, when I uh, 
found out about the opportunity to join Seeds, I was very excited because um, I knew a lot of people in the organization, so I was uh, familiar with many of them. And also, um, I did I was uh, involved in a couple of workshops that Seeds was doing. So I really, I truly believed in their mission and what they were doing in the community. And I was glad that, you know, I was chosen as the new executive director because now I can work together with the whole team to make their goals and missions and the new strategic, strategic plan to come true. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful tale of how you came to be here <laughs> as the executive director of SEEDS. And when did you join? Um, I joined, uh, I think, in the middle of February, February okay. 18th, I think. So maybe not even a month. Well, welcome, Olga. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and your last <laughs> name is Trishina. So did I say that right, Trishina? Yes, you did. Okay, you that's did. great. Well, your background's fascinating. And we also want to thank Andrew. Andrew, what is your last name? My last name, last name is Trishin. I didn't want to. I didn't want to hazard a guess on how to pronounce that. Andrew Jujin, thank you so much, and Olga Trujina for being with us tonight. And that, and that once again, March twenty first, ten a.m. to noon yep. at the Cooperage at ten thirty Main Street in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. It's Resilient Regional Economies hosted by Seeds. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you, so you for having us. All right, Been take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Next, we'll be talking with Doreen Cullen from, uh, to talk to her about an upcoming forum on foster care and adoption. Um, Doreen, you there? I am, Kevin. How are you? Good. Thank you. Well, can you tell us a little bit what's going to happen um, at the Sullivan County Community College this Friday? And that's, and that, I take it, is from 6 to 9 p.m.? Yes. Um, Kevin, on Friday, March 13th at the Sullivan County Community College, um, the Department of Family Services in Sullivan County, um, in collaboration with the Adoptive and Foster Family Coalition of New York, have put together a symposium. Uh, the symposium is to um, bring awareness and education to the community, and we're going to be discussing topics like why um, fostering kin families are so important to our community. Uh, we'll be uh, speaking about how placing a child with a kin relative um, reduces the trauma after a child is removed from the home due to either neglect or safety issues. Mm -hmm. 
Um, at the symposium, we will have a guest speaker who has extensive experience um, in fostering and adoption and uh, kinship um, placements. She's had adopted a few children and has had um, kin children um, placed under her care. Um, the symposium um, is taking place from 6 in the evening to 9 p.m. Child care is being provided, um, and a light meal will be served. So we ask that anyone who's interested um, register, and and they can do that by either going on the Sullivan County Facebook. Um, if you go on the event, Sullivan County Symposium, there's a... Um, uh, information on how you can register online, or you can uh, go on the internet and under AFFCNY, you can click on the symposium and uh, register there. AFFCNY is, stands for the Adoptive and Foster Family Coalition of New York. Okay. Um, Doreen, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your organization? Um, yes, I work for the Department of Family Services in Sullivan County. I initially um, worked in the foster care unit, um, preventive services for a little while, and then I had uh, worked in the uh, CPS unit for approximately 14 years. So I am now working um, with the department, um, uh, primarily foster care and kinship recruitment, and uh, education and training. Okay. And uh, once again, can you tell us um, where, when, and how to register? Okay. Again, the symposium is um, taking place this Friday, March 13th. Um, it starts uh, at 6 p.m. and runs through to 9. A meal will be served at approximately 5.30. Child care for um, children four years old and over will be provided. Um, you can register by um, going online to AFFCNY, or you can um, go under Sullivan County, uh, go on the Facebook account, and the event is posted there, and there are instructions on how to register. The registration is pretty simple, basic. Um, name, address, and if you have children that are attending, we just need to know their ages and if they're allergic to any foods um, or have special needs. Okay. If, if you're unable to register online for any reason, you can always, you know, call the Department of Family Services from Liberty and ask to speak with me, and I, I'll, uh, I'll register you online. Okay, and is there registering at the door? Um, I'm sure that you know, if if you come in and you have not registered, we'll we'll accommodate you. Well, Doreen, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. And oh, thank you. And good luck with the symposium on Friday. Thank you, Kevin. And I hope the listeners will join us and and bring bring a friend. Okay. All right. Good night. Now. Thank you, Kevin. Have uh, a good night. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to Making Waves on your listener-supported hydropowered public radio station, Radio Catskill WJFF, 
Please join us every Monday evening at 7 p.m. here at 90.5 FM, 94.5 FM in Monticello, and streaming online at wjffradio.org. And you're tuned to WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. Coming up next, Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel. Stay tuned. <laughs> 